Now, where did I put it? Hmm. Ah, here it is. Welcome to the Toolbox, where we discuss the tools we utilize every day. Yours to use or toss, it's up to you. But I hope you enjoy. Hey everybody, welcome back to season two of Tools for the Toolbox. Uh, I have an absolutely excellent episode two laid out here for y'all. Uh, and we're going to kick it right off with the same opening question I always use. Who are you and what is your military background? Thanks, Chance. Uh, my name is John Watson. Uh, my military background is uh, I joined in 2005, so that's 16 years. Been posted a bunch of places, Gagetown, uh, Edmonton, where we met. Uh, Petawawa, and, and now Ottawa, mm -hmm. and I'm also the founder of Warrior Adventures Canada, which is uh, a nonprofit designed to take uh, veterans and first responders on outdoor adventure trips, and we've been doing that since 2018. Which is outstanding. I like when you guys started it up. I was thrilled at the idea, but I was boggled by the logistics of it <laughs> to try and get two dozen people down a river over a span of a week <laughs> so. yeah, it's a lot it's a lot and uh the guys i started it with uh you know we're all still serving in the military so it's kind of that um work life side gig side hustle balance kind of thing yeah we all kind of just said to each other you know if we can do one solid trip a year uh you know at least while we're all still working in the military mm -hmm. you know we'll be happy with that and so far the last three years that's kind of what we've done. We're on pace to do two trips this summer, depending on the whole, you know, COVID show <laughs> situation, whatever goes there. But uh, yeah. it's been one trip a year, which has been pretty good. I think uh, this year, I think we'll get, I think we'll get two trips out this summer, which should be yeah. good. But yeah, right, man, it, it is a lot. It can be a lot. Yeah, for sure. No, no doubt. I, I'm not doing much other than looking after my kids and, you know, talking to yeah. people on the internet. <laughs> I, I got the walk and stuff, but it. Uh, that's very yeah. timeline oriented. So I, I kind of feel for you, but I'm not working at the same time. So <laughs> that is a whole nother ball of wax. Um, well, I feel like those things where if you can find something that you like to do and makes you a little side money on the side, it's not really work. You know what I mean? If you're, if you're prepping for a podcast or I'm prepping for a trip, you might look forward to that. I look forward to prepping the gear, getting the canoes ready, doing map recce's, all the rest of it. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't really see that as work. Just kind of, kind of carve out that time between you know real work and family life and that stuff that you know one of the hardest parts is recognizing uh when you need a help and when you need to be able to delegate and then being able to actually delegate right because <laughs> yeah you know shit comes up there you know as well as i do life happens right and somebody gets sick or somebody needs to shit happens right yeah you never know um, yeah. So let me tell you a story on that. Actually, our uh, our second trip was going to be a rock climbing slash mountaineering trip uh, out in the Rockies, uh, Bugaboo uh, mm -hmm. Provincial Park. I'm not sure if you're familiar with it. Super nice area, and uh, you know, did all the planning, all the prep, everything for it. I ended up getting called away for a work thing. Didn't up being able to make the trip. Uh, one of the other guys that founded Warrior Adventures uh, with me, Adam, solid guy took the lead on the trip. He went out early for a recce to prep some stuff, get everything set up for the trip. And two days before the participants started showing up and everyone was going to fly into Calgary, meet up there, drive out to Radium Hot Springs and kick off from there. Uh, two days before the trip uh, kicked off, he had, you know, I think like 90% of the climbing gear we had 
uh, stolen out of the back of his truck. We're talking like twelve, thirteen thousand dollars worth yeah. of climbing. Yeah, for like a twelve-man climbing trip, and uh, you know, just to be able to. And I, and I was away at the time, you know, getting a little bits of information on email and text or whatever. And just to have the confidence, someone to like, you know, I kind of knew he was going to take care of it uh, and not have to worry about it mm-hmm. was, was a big help. Be like, I de- delegated to a solid person. He's going to deal with it. I don't have to stress about it all the time. So when you do have those chunk times, I'm at work, I'm with my family. You have solid people to take care of that stuff. And I just completely didn't have to worry about it. And Adam kind of had to run around to all the other folks in the whole area between uh, between Camor and Calgary, buying all the gear in two days to get the trip off the off the ground. I ended up going out uh, fine, but uh, what a shit show! That that sounds like a shit show. Was that was it like insurable? Does that <clears throat> did you get covered for that, or was that just like a write off loss? No, so that was our second trip. It's our second year, and we for insurance we only just you know just kind of bootstrapping it, just covered for basic liability and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, after that trip, you know, kind of threw some more money at the insurance to cover all our equipment. But, you know, you know, it's like now it's never going to get stolen. The next like 15 years will be fine. Yeah. It's just one time, right? That wasn't covered. Yeah, so that, a, that's hilarious. Question. You know, it's a great point you bring up, though, in terms of having solid dudes underneath you and uh, having a solid leadership team that can actually disengage for a few minutes. And it's, you know, same thing we get in all of our training. You go to PLQ and you are forced to delegate and if you don't delegate well then it's going to be a shit show because the person doesn't know what you want they don't know what you need blah 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 but if you have solid set of uh leadership skills and you can say okay a b c and d need to be done these are your timelines blah 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 it's all about being clear in your messaging and all that stuff uh and it translates into everyday life because yeah. if you have you got kids you got a business you got um anything else the clearer you are the easier it is to follow what you need to be done yeah. and it, it's such a point so you're still you're still working you're still doing the uh adventures canada and running both of those normally yeah. i ask about a piece of transitionary uh uh wisdom but since you aren't transitioning anytime soon <laughs> let's talk about um yeah business wisdom so when i did my business course in nate one of the things i realized was that you know business plan or financial plan stuff like that is basically a set of orders right it's not that different you can write them up pretty quickly and then you can flesh them out from there and if you follow it it's pretty reasonable but there are always going to be pitfalls there are always going to be difficulties there are always going to be things that you did not expect to deal with and you just get thrown them like having thousands of dollars worth of climbing gear disappear. Yeah. Uh, what kind of advice would you give yourself or if you were to go back in time and give Adam in that one moment, what kind of advice would you give him to deal with the, the shit shows that eventually drop on you? Yeah. Uh, you know, I'd say I'm going to back up a little bit. One of, one of the things, I'll get to the, what advice I give Adam in a second, but you just kind of spark something in me I can't let go is when you do start a business from ground up and you, you do talk a lot about transition on your podcast. So I feel like there's a lot of guys that might be transitioning to either start a business or they're going to start some sort of hot side hustle as they're still working or as they're transitioning. I feel like, you know, the approach we kind of took was, uh, you don't want to plan yourself in circles for five years and then trying to make the perfect plan, the perfect business, 
you know, you never know what problems are going to come, but just kind of start off with like the, the smallest viable product, the, the smallest thing you can kind of get off the ground and just start running with it. And your customer base is going to adjust and they're going to kind of show you what you, what they want, really. And you can spend years of whiteboarding and planning and PowerPoints and business plans, and all the rest of it. And you just completely miss the mark. And because we were short on time, uh, we just kind of looked at it like, you know, we could write a crazy business plan. We could uh, pitch this to a whole bunch of investors and apply to 10,000 grants and all the rest of it. And we did do some of it, but at the base level, we just need to like get some gear, book some camping sites and get people and get out there mm-hmm. and it, it's going to work. We, you know, the, the, the principles behind it are going to, are going to shine through. And then all the other stuff is just going to kind of fall into place as you go. It's never going to be the perfect product right out the gate. You know, it's going to be a work in progress, but having something to uh, test as you go is, is what you want. You don't want to be stuck in the, in the planning room forever. And that's kind of how we looked at, uh, you know, kicking it off and starting it off was just like, let's just get going here. Cause we saw other guys we, we came up with in the nonprofit world, you know, looking for the perfect board of directors, looking for the perfect guys to do this, looking for the perfect time. What's our going to be our business, you know, you, you, you're 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 gonna get drowned in all of it all mm-hmm. that stuff will come naturally just kind of get uh, your 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 the, the the quickest thing you can kind of get off the ground and just get running with it and the rest will fall into place uh, and that's kind of how we looked at it that makes sense pro- as, uh, adam I, you know i almost laughed to myself when you asked the question because like you, you just picked all the dudes you're gonna work with and i never had any doubt whatsoever that he was gonna solve the problem i have to give him any advice like you know um you just get these if if you don't want to work with someone for a lifetime don't work with them for five minutes you know what i mean yeah pick solid solid people that you're going to work with and that's it you don't have to worry about those small things you know uh you have that total decentralized command Mm -hmm. he knows the mission he knows the guiding principles he's going to handle it kind of thing so really what you want to do is be in that position where you don't have to worry about it you know but but the type of guys we are you're going to naturally worry about it i was the way checking in on the email, the text and all the rest of it, kind of worrying. And I'm like, okay, he's got it. Just put the phone down, focus on what I'm, what I'm doing at the time and, and let him handle it. Yeah. So that's, no, it absolutely does. Because <clears throat> that is a really great piece of advice to tell people you surround yourself with the right type of people and you won't have to worry about it. Right. Yeah. That is a, uh, you look at some of the people that, uh, that we're at that, you know, we've experienced in the military, not everyone is great, <laughs> right? And yeah. not everyone is the uh, the optimal dude. And what you want to do is surround yourself with people that are optimal, right? And yeah. if you set an example of excellence, then excellence follows you, right? And that's part of it is selecting who's going to be in your circle. And even on a personal level, the people you associate with, the people you hang out with, the people that you listen to and learn from, you have to select them, right? I, I, I look up to uh, a few people, like I follow on uh, social media and stuff, Jocko Willink being one of them and uh, Tim Kennedy and things like that. Do I agree with everything they say? No, but yeah. <laughs> they, they raise really good points and they push everyone around them to be better. Who doesn't want to be better? Yeah. <laughs> something I was talking to a buddy about this the other day was, uh, and I probably follow a lot of the same people you do. And I'm in touch with a lot of um, high level military guys in Canada mm-hmm. is you got to be careful that 
they're human. They make mistakes too. And they might not always talk about it and share it. You know, just before we kicked off, we talked both of us about mistakes we've made, missing times, all the rest of it. Man, we're all frigging works in progress. This is life. Jocko's not going to put a, a Instagram photo up when he didn't wake up super early and missed a workout. Yeah. You're going to see him make every. He's kind of an obli. Maybe he never sleeps in. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Just, just realize everyone has issues. Everyone has a day where it doesn't go according to plan. That's fine. Totally fine. It's about shaking yourself off, writing down your list for the next day and starting from fresh. So a hundred percent, you know, uh, have good mentors and good leadership and good examples surrounded uh, around you, but you know, just don't get, uh, down on yourself when you're not living up to those examples. You know, you gotta, yeah. like you said, you, you, you take what you can and, and you, and you go forward with it. I heard another quote, um, it said, uh, uh, li listen to all advice, reject most of it. So you can take in all the advice you want. Yep. And it's up to you to decide which pieces are applicable where and when. Yep. So they could be the most poignant piece of advice, but it just doesn't really apply to you at that time. It doesn't mean you tell the person, you know, fuck off. I don't want to hear that. Yep. No, just take it all in and sort it through in, in your own mind and then be able to apply it wherever it, it needs to fit and wherever it comes out naturally that it's so true and not only that and you're you're talking about like personal introspection right you can think of there's lots of times like I, I think i read um on combat while we were overseas right and that that helped a lot because i was like oh that's why i'm feeling like this or that's why i don't remember this particular time period yeah. during a firefight whatever right and then uh, i read extreme ownership after i was out of the military and yeah. I was like, shit, really yeah. wish I'd learned that shit while I was in because it would have made stuff life a lot easier. But I also realized after years that I don't think I was ready to accept those lessons at that time Yeah, Be because there were people around me that, you know, uh, were that example, but I wasn't taking it in yeah. at the time. Now yeah. I'm a little bit older. I'm a little bit wiser. I'm a little bit more understanding, more introspective. I can actually read into it. So you can't it's really important to not even beat yourself up about the timing of learning this stuff. Cause you hear it all the time, right? Oh, I wish I had known that when I was 20. Yeah. At 20, do you think you'd actually would have learned that? <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. Totally, man. Yeah. That's a good segue into kind of uh, the kind of the start of war adventures. It was kind of exactly that. Um, it was reading the right book or learning the right thing at the right time. Right. And, mm -hmm. you know, uh, I'm sure you know Tim Ferriss, and yep. he's got a bunch of books. One of them is Tools of Titans. And that's all this crazy, great wisdom in the book. Great book. You know, I, I got it upstairs. <laughs> but there's something to be said of what you're reading and when you're reading it. You know, picking up that solid book, there's so much information in there. But you could just flip through it, and none of, none of it hits. Yeah. Because of where you are or what you're doing at the time. You know, some of the, the, the biggest changes in your life or a certain book or a certain uh, podcast you listen to or a certain uh, meeting you had some or encounter at a certain time in your life. You're not going to pick up a book like that. You might get a couple of good nuggets, but it's got to come across at the right time, I feel like. Yep. And uh, so, so to, to, you know, to go over the kind of start of War Adventures, um, Adam, who we already mentioned, another buddy of mine, Justin, who you know is another Edmonton guy that works yep. with me now, um, and a few other guys. We, we kept doing like these big, long, like outdoor adventure trips in between deployments. So, or, or you know, we, before we go on a deployment or after deployment, we just go on a week long canoe trip or we go rock climbing in California or whatever it was. And they weren't, 
easy trips. You know, we'd, we'd get dropped off in the middle of northern Quebec and canoe our way out mm-hmm. with uh, what we carried, right? There's no road, there's no road access in the middle of nowhere, or we'd go climbing uh, completely off the beaten path somewhere in the States. And so we're on one of these trips, uh, 2017, northern Quebec. It's a whitewater canoeing trip. And I'm reading the book Tribe by Sebastian Younger. That's a good one. Yeah. And this can, particular canoe trip, it rained the, the entire week. It was just solid, solid rain all week. We're getting, we're getting drenched, you know, all the way. It's really kind of got to suck it up and, you know, just Grind it's it one up. of those trips where like in the middle of it, you're like, this is going to be a good memory once we're done. You know, right now yeah. it's shit, but once we're done, we're going to laugh about this. And I'm reading this book and, and, uh, and he talks a lot about, you know, how hardship is bringing people together and kind of points out uh, key things in living in small groups or living in really hard times how it brings people together and how it makes you grow uh, mentally and how it lessens things like depression, anxiety, and all the rest of it. Cause you kind of have a common goal. You're coming together. You, you're not worried about all the outside stuff. There's no abundance. There's no like a million types of Netflix shows to watch a million dings going off of my phone bills to pay. You know, there's keep yourselves alive, feed the tribe and get on with the next mission. Right. So yep. he's pointing it all out and I'm, we're on this trip and I'm like, well, maybe this is why, uh, me and the guys are having such a long career in the military is because we are doing these outdoor trips and we're having these breaks and we have these little chunks a week, five days, a long week and whatever it is where we are kind of living through hard times. Yep. You know, all you got to really worry about is, <clears throat> you know, where's your next meal coming from? Where are you sitting up camp and don't die basically. Yeah. And sometimes they're hard, sometimes they're fun, but you know, that, that kind of trip. And at the end of the trip, I, I told the guys, I was like, look, uh, I just finished this book. We just got off this trip. Um, you know, maybe there's something to this. Do you guys want to bring other people with us? And maybe mm-hmm. there's more people I could, you know, benefit from these types of trips. And then, then that was it. Um, you know, we were at a climbing gym actually when I, when I brought it up. I was like, let's let's do another trip uh, this summer, and let's uh, I don't know, let's figure something out and see if we can take ten people, ten yeah. uh, vets or first responders on the trip, and we can share stories. They share stories. We go through hard times together. And, uh, and we come out the other end and everyone's, you know, refreshed and ready to get back at it or get back onto the next mission, whatever it is. Absolutely. You know, it it brings up a great point. And there's this, there's like a a call to the wild, right? A lot of military guys, especially like uh, combat arms types where we like to be out in the bush. And yeah, it sucks sometimes when you're out there and it sucks like the, the army knows how to make uh time in the outdoors suck balls and the uh the old the old adage of going to the recruiters and him saying hey you like camping (laughs) this this isn't camping at all uh what do you what do you think it is that that really connects us to that natural environment because you know some of the best people i know you become the best friends with them when you're out in the bush when you're yep. out doing stupid, hard, ridiculous things, digging a six foot hole in the middle of Gagetown that's filling with water, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sucks. yeah. But what, where, where do you think that connection happens? Well, there's kind of two things there. The one is, you know, being out in nature and, or like having the call to get out there and do stuff out in the wild and go camping and all the rest of it um, is a little bit different than you know, doing a defensive position and, but it's 
what what you're getting out of that is the shared hardship. Yeah. So being rained on, and I'm specifically remember doing a trench in Gagetown where you know you dig a couple feet, it's filled up with water. Someone comes around and says, okay, well, just build it up with the sandbags around so you get a good height, like a simulated trench. So you're just filling mud bag. It's a terrible experience. Um, but just going lucky. through that together, it's exactly what uh, Sebastian Younger highlighted in that book is we're going through it together. We all are eating the shit sandwich together and we're going to laugh at it together. And, and that's how we're going to get through it. And so those experiences are good because at the end you went through it together and you bonded over it. There's something about bonding over doing hard shit. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we were on deployment together like over 10 years ago in, in Southern Afghanistan and such a rough go. The bonds you build during that time are, are a lot stronger than the bonds you'd have with guys. You went on an exercise in Shiloh Wainwright 10 years yeah. later, you know, you might've been, uh, our time it would have been a shitty exercise but it's not going to be the level of you know the bonds you build uh in combat it's just absolutely right around it but the other side of it is when you do get to go out in nature like you said on your own terms not on an exercise and i don't know what the answer like for some reason you're right doesn't feel the same yeah you just always have like you know wh- whatever it is the army just don't get me wrong there's definitely times when you, you can go and do exercises or do things in the military where it's great. I didn't expect that. That was a great exercise. Yeah. It was outside the box. It was in a place we didn't normally go. Yeah. But the box standard military exercises, yeah, generally, you know, it it's hard. To, it's yeah. hard to you know look at, take a moment and look at the birds and the trees and the and the stream yeah. and have you just hate life. Yeah. But when you do get to go out in nature on your own terms and places that you do like, um, you know, at, at a base level, that's just kind of where we came from. I think that's that's part of it. Uh, and the other part of it, I think, is there's less to complain about, you know, when you're, uh, I, I think you, you ride horses. Yep. Quite a bit, right. Yeah. So if you're on a ride, you don't complain about the random shit that happens. You don't complain. The trail goes to the left instead of right. You don't complain about that. The, the wind's blowing strong this day, not the next day. You don't complain about that. It starts raining. Maybe you complain a little bit, but really generally you're not getting mad at the wilderness for what it's giving you. It's just there. Mm-hmm. But on your day to day life, if you're driving around town, complain about everything. Why is this red light? I don't like that person. This person's looking at me weird. My coffee's not hot enough. It's too much negativity all the time. You're complaining yeah. about every little thing. It doesn't make any sense. It's just drowning you. It's making you feel negative, and it's going to make you depressed and sad in the long run. You need to be able to take uh, your experience in the wild. So when you're in the bush and you're in the wild, you just take it as it comes. You're just witnessing everything, everything that's coming at you. You just accept it. Yeah. You, no matter how much you get mad at the hill in front of you, still there. It's not- <laughs> So eventually you realize to stop getting mad at the portages on the river, the hills you have to climb, the rain and the mosquitoes. Mm-hmm. You just get on with it. You decided to get out there, you're going to get on with it. But in the day-to-day life, you know, people find a lot to complain about and it's, it's a drag in the system. You know, try to, try to pick a few things in your life that you want to complain about and, and, and drive towards those. You, know, you have a goal, you have a, a promotion you want to get, you have a new career you want to start. Yeah, get mad at that stuff. Get mad at the stuff, how it's not going well. Be driven on that. But all the other stuff, just just let it go, man. Don't worry about all the other stuff all the time because it's just a drain on the system. My wife came up with this great uh, little quote. We were talking, I can't remember what we were talking about, but <clears throat> she was like, humans are judgmental people. And yep. absolutely, we, we are gregarious species, right? We like yep. to be uh, involved with each other. We, sol- solitude is not, uh, extended solitude, I should say, is not normal for the average human, right? 
but neither is being constantly surrounded all the time at every moment. And that's what we have right now, right? We have a society that is built around um, constant attention, constant uh, noise, constant light, like it's just, there's so much all the time. And one of the really calming experiences for me throughout my life has been able to go down to my family's ranch and like you just sit in the foothills and you watch the mountains and you, one of my favorite sights and it is super soothing. I don't know why it is soothing, but when you see like a, a crop field and you see the wind just like peel through it, like waves on the ocean, yeah. I could just sit there and watch that for hours and hours and hours. Right. And you're fine. Yeah. You're, but there's, there's nothing to judge, right? You yeah. look at it and you're like, that is gorgeous. Yeah. Okay. You know, that's a pretty big hill. I got to climb. It's going to be there regardless of what I think about it, right? There, uh, the sun is hot. Yep, the sun is hot. <laughs> the rain is cold. Yep, the rain is cold. But when you're surrounded by people all the time, it's, oh my God, what's that person wearing? And, you know, why did he look at me funny? And like your, your brain is hardwired to make those judgments. Yep. And to be able to separate from that and just step out into the wilderness or out into the wild or even attach yourself to something wild like a horse or uh dogs to a degree and like there is this base connection that allows you to detach from the emotional side of that judgment right you can just see it as what it is yeah the the hill is big shit (laughs) that's gonna be a long (laughs) climb okay here we go and uh it's one of the reasons when i go hunting i take it's usually me or me and one other dude sometimes two at the most but that's like the extent of my hunting trip because that solitude is, uh, I think it's crucial in life. You have to be able to take time, right? To step away and take time for yourself. And yeah. nothing does that better than nature. <laughs> nothing yeah. at all. Um, I can't remember where I heard this quote or said it, but it was, uh, all of man's problems come from the, the man not being able to sit in a room alone for 30 minutes by himself. Sums mm-hmm. that you know, you're always looking for something to occupy your mind and, and the next thing, it's just, uh, there's, it's just too much. And like you said, you need to be able to be, you need to have solitude. Okay. But, uh, solitary confinement is different than that, right? Like everything in life is balanced between everything, everything, you need to have everything in moderation. So you definitely need to have those times, those times where you have self-examination or you meditate or whatever it is. And you need those social times. That's mm-hmm. what humans need. You need those times alone. You need those times together. You can't go completely one way, one end of the spectrum on anything, especially that. Yeah. Uh, and it's funny. I live uh, just outside Ottawa, um, and there's it's kind of limited opportunities, but there is some opportunities behind uh, my house here for hunting, and I have a couple stands for deer. And I went out, and I was like just so excited to get some time alone. You know, life's busy sometimes. The kids are you know it's just like a lot. Like I can't wait to get the tree stand. It's going to be a good time. Yeah. And I got out there. And I didn't have uh, my bow or, or right. I was just sitting in the tree stand. I didn't do it like five minutes. I realized I'm just sitting here with nothing. Yeah. And I don't know what, where I'm going with that, but it, it was pretty funny. It was just like, you know, that time alone. And, you know, that tree stand was, was it for me. I'm just sitting there with, with, with nothing to hunt with. Yeah. You know, that, that, that really, it, it, that's actually really crucial because what you did was you took time alone, right? That's what you needed was the time alone. And you took it. And I think so many people have an issue of actually taking that time and recognizing it. Just like, okay, you know what? I'm getting really like, I'm getting fed up. 
<laughs> just, I need to get the fuck out of here. Let me go to my tree stand. And the the priority for you was to be in the stand. Wasn't yeah. to, you weren't the priority yeah. wasn't to get a deer, right? Like it was. I just I just need to get the fucking stand. Let me get up there. Yeah. Gonna, we'll be good. Uh, and it's you know it's the same thing for me when I'm packing for my hunting trips because I'm usually out there four or five days by myself and like as I'm packing I'm like oh my god I gotta, I gotta get fuck out of here I just like get me out of the yeah. city get me out of everything just gone yeah and uh what I realized after a long period of time was that there's there's this old quote like right you people like to be out in the wild because it's you versus nature right and it there's a very binary relationship in that one and I I, I never quite agreed with it because growing up on the ranch it was never really, you never wanted to be at odds with nature, right? The old quote is make hay when the sun shines. Yeah. Because, you know, the sun's out. Okay, we'll make hay. If it's raining, well, shit, we'll go work inside. We'll fix something. We'll do whatever, right? Yeah. And it's the, the real skill is to be able to accept what nature gives you. Yeah. And um, when you're talking about like, canoeing trips and talking about managing 12 plus people with safety and food and wildlife and uh a river which is you know water is unforgiving <laughs> you fuck up in water and shit happens that's a bad day um where where do you think that because you have to overcome nature a bit right for that trip you have yeah. to be able to build a fire. You have to be able to stay out of the elements to a degree. You have to be able to camp out and actually enjoy the trip. Otherwise, you know, a 10-day bag drive is <laughs> our best day. But what do you think? It, we're, comes back, it, comes, it comes back to balance or a dichotomy, uh, like we were talking about with uh, solitude versus uh, uh, socializing. Is The classic is like you got to go with nature. You got to go with the flow. You can't fight Mother Nature. At some point, you, you got to, you know, Put your foot down right it depends on what you're doing right so again it comes down to a balance it's a dichotomy you got to go with the flow if you're um if you're rock climbing well you got to go where the where the rock lets you go you can't force your way up certain areas you got to you know go into the areas where you can go where it's letting you go when it comes to white water paddling you got to go with the flow of the water you know a heavy a big river flowing fast it, it's like literally thousands of pounds of pressure on that water. If you get pinned between the water and rock or between the canoe and the rock or something like that, you literally have to go with the flow. Like you can't fight. There's only so much you can do. But the other side of it, you, you do have to be prepared. You have to have the right equipment. You have to know when to stop and, and hold up and that kind of stuff. Uh, so there is a balance. You go with the flow to a certain extent. Um, but when there's, a, when there's a thunderstorm, you, you hunker down and, and you do that and you, you put your defenses that you can do. Um, I, I I understand the go with the flow. You gotta live with Mother Nature, but you don't want. I, I hate, you know, some people like you see on some shows. You know, guys are traipsing around the bush with no shoes on or no jet. Like I, I get it. It's it's cool, and some people can do that. But you really do need to be prepared to to battle and fight back a little bit. Go with mm -hmm. the flow when you can, and fight back when you have to. It's it's a balance on everything. Yeah, it really is. You know, one of the TV shows I really love watching is um, Meat Eater. I don't know if you've ever seen that on. Uh... Netflix. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I love it because it's not just the highlight of a hunt, right? Like it, it, it shows people walking, traipsing around through the fucking 
just the through shitty the, the shitty parts the high bush and the rain and the climbing and the like can't see shit and i just spent a week out here i didn't see a goddamn animal now i gotta go home right like, yeah. that's, that's part and parcel of it and a lot of other hunting shows are like guy walks out of the bush hey there's a deer bang cool awesome done right like, it's, yeah well it's, that's, type, that's type two fun you know type two fun versus type one fun i know explain type one fun is eat a chocolate cake go on a roller coaster super fun i love cake yeah i love roller coasters and you're not gonna remember that it's gone yeah type two fun going on a hunt a hard hunt going on a, a canoe trip going rock like stuff like that it sticks with you forever is it the best ever every moment of the trip no have you ever carried a canoe through a portage in northern ontario during bug season not fun <laughs> at all afterwards it's fun you remember that trip for the rest of your life that's type two fun that's what you want you don't want type one fun it's good sometimes you know go for uh, a roller coaster ride do a bunch of drugs whatever it's gonna go quick boom you're gonna have a great time it's over you remember. there's nothing long lasting and nothing learned no introspection nothing comes out of type one fun type yeah. two fun is what you want i've heard the i've heard it interesting that list is type one type two i've heard it referred to as fun versus joy Right, That's like you, you can get yeah. joy out of an experience, but you get fun out of a you know good time, whatever. Yeah, whoopie doo dah. But you know it, it. It's a little tricky because it's good to have fun. You should have fun, but yeah, you, you need to create joyful experiences to really to you want to be able to look back when you're 70, 80 years old and go, man, you know that was a fucking awesome time. You know what we should do? Go here again or go do whatever like my wife and i went to turks and caicos for our honeymoon yeah unbelievable experience yep. but the things that i remember most aren't drinking at the bar like yep. well okay cool that it is fun in, in the time awesome woohoo good times but what yep. i really remember is you know standing on a white sand beach with the uh, ocean rolling in and the wind just kind of rustling all the leaves and like it was an unbelievable experience yeah. but most people wouldn't find it fun because i'm literally just standing on a beach looking at water right there's <laughs> no yeah. yeah 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 i went to uh saint lucia with a wife her sister my brother-in-law great time you know we can saint lucia five-star resort mm -hmm. beautiful caribbean island great time i don't remember a single meal i ate i don't remember anything from that. like i remember a few things from the trip but it's it was all type one fun the entire time basically uh, a few years ago, I was on uh, an escape and evasion exercise. Ooh. So I had like, I forget the distance, uh, 80, 100 kilometers to go to escape with uh, OPP, RCMP, all, all these guys doing exercise to capture yeah. me. Okay. No food. We're talking day long, days long exercise, right? Yep. On the run. Rain, the rest of it, whatever the elements are, no rucksack, you just what you got on you. And uh, I remember stumbling a, a, across like a, a raspberry field in, yeah. in the middle of this. I remember that for the rest of my life. You know what I mean? It was mm -hmm. such an experience. Uh, uh, it's a bag drive and go through the rest of it. But like th that type of meal, that type of experience during that hard time, you know, really stuck with me rather than, you know, that steak dinner in St. Lucia that I, I, I'm struggling to remember right now. So, yeah. you, you it's do, so true. especially when it comes to, uh, again, balanced work life. If I took my wife on that type of trip, I'd probably be divorced. I need to take the wife to St. Lucia and give her the steak dinner, give her the beach and all that rest of it. So balance and everything, right? Yeah. Yeah. I could I could just picture 
my wife's eyes if I told her we were going on a seer trip and she'd just be like, <laughs> fucking no, crazy. We're going on a three-day backpacking trip, but we're going to try to eat off the land. Okay. Yeah, we're, and we're not going to bring backpacks. So, <laughs> yeah, and people are going to be chasing us at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Um, there was a, a point in time on my PLQ and uh, y- you know a bunch of the dudes that were on it because it was, I think there were five or six uh, dudes from the regiment that were there. And yeah. it was it was in Wainwright and it was just one of the shittiest Wainwright weeks you can imagine. It was cold. It was windy, cloudy. The sun wasn't out. Like it was just crummy for four or five days. And PLQ is, you know, it's a, it's a bit of a bag drive. And um, me and uh dude were sitting, sitting along waiting for orders and a sunbeam hit us just out of nowhere. And it sat on us for probably a good 30 seconds. And we we're like, oh, and you could just bathe in the warmth. And you're like, this is awesome. And we looked at each other and I was like, small victories in Wainwright, man. Small victories. <laughs> it, it was like 30 seconds, right? But it made our day. And I will never forget that sunbeam because it was just that instant, right? Just that little instant where you could be like, okay, thank God. Yeah. <laughs> in the rest of this horrible situation. Well, small, there's something to the small victories thing, right? That's like a, you know, if, if you don't know about it or you don't think about it, they're just going to slip you by. You're not going to, you know, be able to take the energy from them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, something we try to do on our trips is, you know, take these high performers and I, I bring them in as guides and mentors on the trip and teach them these techniques, shit that we're talking about right now, um, to, to make them better, better performers. High-level performers, whether it's high-level military or athletes or, or whatever, they don't just work their body out. They work on their mental game. They work on their mental performance. But for some reason, it's kind of been lost in the wash when it comes to, you know, maybe it is filtering down uh, to the lower levels of the military now and the, and the guys coming up now because guys are coming up with podcasts uh, like Tim Ferriss and Jocko and all the other ones we mentioned. Mm-hmm. Uh, so maybe it is, it, it is the tide is turning. But if you want to be – uh, on the point in, in your in your game in the military or in the first responder world, you do need to think about these mental techniques. Not just the, you know, everyone knows about good sleep and good eating and good, you know, physical fitness, you got to work out all the rest of it. But if you don't take time to think about or uh, practice some of these mental techniques, you, you're just going to, it's, it's, you're just going to fall off the rails when, when something shitty happens, right? Yep. You need to be wholesome in your game and your performance game, you need to come into it like a professional athlete. If you're going overseas or you're going on, uh, on patrol as a cop downtown Toronto, and all you did was get a good night's sleep and work out and you didn't think about your mental game and shit goes sideways. It's going to be hard for you to, to get that, that puppy back in control. So what we do on the trip is try to like talk about some of these things, explain how you can perform on demand, yep. explain how you can have a good mental performance game and then put it into practice. So we talk about these things, uh, and then like, okay, we're tomorrow, we're going to run a crazy ass rapid. So all the stuff we talked about, you need to put into practice. And, and, and some of those things are, uh, you know, having good visualization, you know what I mean? Like, you know, mentally rehearse what you're going to go through and not just uh, what you're going to do, you know, if we're paddling a rapid, visualize it. Okay. I'm going to paddle here. I'm going to feel it going. This is what I'm going to say. This is what's going to look like coming out the other end, all the rest of it. But Think about what's going to happen when shit goes off the rails. Okay, if we spill here, this is what we're going to do. If we spill here, this is what we're going to do. And not only that, what you're going to feel during that time. You know, if I spill here, I'm going to have all these thoughts. 
holy fuck, I just dumped all my lunch and my food for the rest of the trip is in the river right now. Yep. You don't want to think about that at that particular time, right? It's, it's just a cloud. It doesn't help you at that time. So think about all that stuff before you go and visualize everything you're going to do. Mentally rehearse how you're going to feel and what you're going to think about if accidents happen or if it doesn't go according to plan prior to doing that action. So that way, when you do spill, you know what you're going to do. You know how you're going to feel. Oh, yeah, of course, I have this like shitty feeling in my stomach. I, I, I planned that. Okay, I got to ditch it, get, my, get that emotion, that thought, throw it away and get on with the plan, whatever the next steps are. So, you know, doing that and then putting into practice. It, and yeah. another one we like to talk about is uh, an acronym called WIN, W-I-N, what's important now. So putting what's important now into practice is kind of like uh, some people call it front side focus or, uh, you know, just tackling one objective at a time. Yep. You know where you want to go, but there's a million steps in the way. If you think about all those steps at a time, it's it, you're not going to get there. It's going to be too many things at once. What's important now is what's the next most immediate important task? and put 110% effort at that until it's done. And when it's done, what's important now? What's the next most important task? Yeah. If you're if you're a military, if you're an infantry guy, you're a common arms guy, you're overseas, and someone gets hurt, there's an ID strike, there's a contact. Yeah, I know I know. there's a lot of shit to think about. Who's gonna call the flanking? Who's got six o'clock security? Who's calling the nine liner? Who's doing, okay, it's too much. What's important now? Win the firefight? Okay, four down rounds down range. We won the yeah. firefight. What's important now? Getting TCCC on, okay, get the turn key on. What's yep. important now? Nine-liner, pass the information up to the other call signs in the area that aren't in contact. Okay, what's important now? Okay, let's maneuver, make sure we don't get a maneuver. You got to take it step by step. Yep. So we explain that to the people that come on our trip, and we put it into practice on the river, on the rock wall, whatever it is. Uh, so these kind of mental models or, or ways to think about things, if, if you don't think about them and you're a, and you're a high performer, you're a veteran or first responder, you're only coming to bat, you're only coming to battle half the game. You know, having a good night's sleep, eating all the avocados you want and, and, and squatting 500 pounds, you know, that's that's only part of it. And you know, because you've been running this podcast, you know, there's another side of it that we need to talk about. Absolutely. And it is a um, is a really critical thing to, to do. Visualization, not only, um, you know, I, I just recently took up jujitsu a couple of years ago. And that was one of the first <laughs> yeah, things I had to learn, right? Oh, was, man, I, I try to do it once a week and like, I just look at it as this is where I get humbled every day or every week. It's my dose of humbling, right? <laughs> my first, uh, my my first role. I think I went into the the dojo and he put me the black belt put me up against a sixteen year old girl, and <laughs> you know I'm I'm a big dude. She was uh I think she was a three or four stripe blue belt at that point in time. Okay. Okay, and I'm. You know, I'm six six two twenty. Yeah, I I have some general grappling skills. I know what the I kind of know what I'm doing. She tied me in fucking knots, no question. <laughs> like I had no control whatsoever. And yeah. yeah, I think I walked out of that day and I was like, this is something I want to do for the rest of my life because it was just you're right, humbling. But you start to realize the longer you get into it that you're you have to stage those systems. That the what's important now is absolutely correct. You know. I got to get a takedown. I can't yeah. think about the the submission that I'm going to do until I get a takedown. I can't think about the next uh, position that I'm going to sit in until I get the takedown. We have to figure yeah. out there's got to be a scramble. There's got to be blah, 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 blah. Yeah. On not only in jujitsu, not only in martial arts, but in 
the military we used to do so what i think was the the terminology back then right before they went to win and it was the same thing when you're drafting your orders what do you have to do this is my objective okay well you have to get to your objective okay well how am i going to get to my objective and so on and so forth and then in life it's the same thing right if you if you want something you have to be able to break it down into those smaller points i want to I want to learn French. Well, I don't really want to learn French. I want to learn a second language, <laughs> but French is probably the easiest. So what have I been doing? I've been doing French on my, I have a little app on my phone, Duolingo, and I'm learning French. Cool. Right. But without uh, the step-by-step process, I could have been like learning, learning another language is super hard. That's going to take a couple years of schooling. I don't really want to do that. Fuck that noise. Right. And then two <laughs> years go by. I still haven't learned French. I still don't know anything. Or I can go, is there an easier way? Is there uh, a different process? Is there a different uh, system I can think of than just having to go to school or learn from somebody else or blah, 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 blah. But had I not gone, what is it that is, as you said, what's important now, right? What is it? I want to learn French. Okay. That's the important part. Cool. And uh, this translates into time. People always say, I don't have time. I can't do this because I don't have time or there, there's no time to get that done. There's no time to do this. What it really comes down to is a priority, right? What is it important to you? Because you will make time if it's important to you. If you want to go on a five-day hunting trip, well, if it's that important, you will make the time to plan it out, to set up your, your meal plan, to lay out how much uh, water, how much gas you're going to need, whether or not you're going to need fuel for your stove, or you're going to use fire, blah, 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 blah. And you'll figure it out from there. But without that recognition to go okay what's next then you do it okay what's next then you do it rather than oh my god five days and out in the bush by myself that's too many things like too many steps i can't yeah Yeah. can't do it right and and, uh, you hit another point is just learning new skills man it's good for the brain you know you gotta exercise that brain kind of what we've been talking about jujitsu learning new language man if you're not doing something to 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 progress and get better you know you're kind of stagnant um jujitsu is a great one yeah even though it's the best at it but uh keeps you humble keeps you fit it's super hard to learn yep and it's clear it's very clear if you don't know what you're doing you know i mean like it's very clear the hierarchy in in jujitsu if once you put in the time if you're better than someone else you're done man there's nothing you do really yeah you know yep. what I mean? For the most part. There's uh, so many so times cool. where my, I, when I first got there, there was like two or three other white belts and there was <clears throat> a couple blue belts, a purple belt, excuse me, and, uh, and a brown belt. So I would be rolling with the higher belts pretty regularly. Yeah. And uh, I think I started the first few weeks and I was like, I'm going to get, I'm going to get one of these guys. I'm going to get one. And it became real obvious, real fast that there was no way in fucking hell and that if anything i was doing i all i was doing was playing into another one of their traps and so i started again you have to really be introspective here and i realized that it wasn't that i was um there's no way i was going to beat them so what do i need to do survive right (laughs) see how long i can last for however long like i'd roll with the the brown belt and he'd have me submitted in 30 seconds i'm like okay well next round 40 seconds 
<laughs> the next round is you can accept the consequences, but you just try and push a little bit further, right? Yeah. I was wrong. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say that this, uh, this leads into, uh, you know, learning new skills and uh, developing yourself continually. I actually learned that in the bush. Those, those being in nature was what taught me that because you can see it in nature, right? Like you can see um, if you fail in nature, you die, right? If, if a yep. raccoon doesn't get food, he starves to death. If a wolf misses a deer too many times, he starves to death. If a deer is, can't hear the bear coming around the corner, you're fucking dead. <laughs> so, the thing that I learned from the bush was that you have to be able to, to be better continually. Sorry, what were you going to say? As I cut you off. I was rolling with a guy, uh, probably the best guy I routinely roll with. He's probably got 40 pounds on me. Uh, And he had me, I don't know what it, it was like some sort of North South situation or he just crushed him with his body. And I'm like out of air and he's, I'm not, he's not, he doesn't have me in a submission. Yeah. But like, I'm like on the verge of like running out of air. And I told myself like, I'm not going to tap for a non-submission. Like I'll pass out just out of pride. I, <laughs> like I'm not in a submission. I'm just on the, the weight of his body and yeah. his shoulder and my neck. You know what I mean? Like I'm not doing that. Yeah. So anyway, I'm just like, and maybe that, that, that that's not the right attitude. Maybe you just got to like be able to like back down at some point. But I just like, all right, control your breathing. You're not tapping on this bullshit fucking position. He's not got you submission. Yeah. Uh, it's just my pride. I was like, oh, I'll fucking faint, and they wake me up after, and like at least tap. <laughs> but that no, that's just the struggle of fucking jujitsu, anyway. Yeah, I think it's I think it's important though that is that it's a growth period, right? Like in the beginning when you're first couple of weeks couple of months right and somebody puts you in one of those positions where you can't breathe and their weights on top of you and they're like i've submitted people from neon belly yeah not an actual submission but you crush yeah. the diaphragm people don't like it when they can't breathe yeah. that's the way it is um but you learn over time right with that experience you go oh i can breathe i just i need to focus on it I, I can't panic about it. I have to, it's the what's important now, right? Where's the pressure? Get it off my friggin' chest. <laughs> okay, now I can breathe. Yeah. Now I can move create, on. Create that little bit of space. Yeah. And then the next thing, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, so the one thing I want, you've been down the river a few times now. And yeah. you've been climbing a couple times. And uh, you've, I mean, you've been climbing for a long time, obviously. But the one thing I wanted to ask was, what kind of lessons have you learned from the river? Like, since you've started this program and since you started working with other vets and what are the things that you've been able to take for yourself? Yeah. Yeah. One of the biggest lessons and we, and we, we uh, reused this um, and it kind of came into our lap. We didn't really realize this going into the first trip was how well uh, the river kind of translates to, uh, to really hold on a sec. I think my kid's about to bust it on me here. <laughs> What's up dude? Hey, I'm not done yet. Give me like 10, 15, 20 more minutes. Is it important? Okay, well, I'll be there soon. Tell her soon, okay? All right. No, bring her to. 
One sec, dude. Yeah, bud. Sorry about that, bro. All good, dude. Man, I saw him coming out the window. I was like, oh, <laughs> all right where are we going uh, uh lessons yeah, from the river yeah lessons from the river so <clears throat> when we talk about doing rapids and this translates very well to life uh and it just so happened we kind of stumbled upon this on our first trip was if you look at a a, 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 a section of white water so how you tackle a, a rapid on the, on the river you have to do a recce so you get out of your boat you recce the rapid. Okay, where can I go? Where can I go? Where's my safe zones? Where's my outs? Uh, where do I want to finish, etc. So you do your little plan, figure out where you want to go, just like life. Mm -hmm. um, on the river, there's uh, sections of calm water called eddies. And those are little safe zones you can or can't use, depending on what you're going to do. Uh, it's easy to use them to break up a long rapid. If you don't have to use them, you don't have to use them. Uh, and then you commit to the rapid. Okay, and you're going in. It never, it very rarely goes exactly as planned. There's always you bump a rock, you have to go around a rock, a wave hits you the right way. You end up kind of a little bit different than when you anticipated. Okay, just again, just like life. Mm -hmm. Sometimes water comes into your boat. Sometimes something happens where you end up not where you want to be. You have to take a break. You have to take an eddy. So boom, we find an eddy. We go into the comm section. We take a break. We dump our water. We readjust our plan. Okay, just like life. And boom, we get back into it. We swim back out into the, into the fast water. We continue on and eventually we get to the end of the rapid. It might not be coming out exactly where we wanted to come out, but it's generally where we were aiming towards is the end of the rapid, okay? So this kind of all sounds like life and getting life's goals done to me, right? You make a plan, how you wanna accomplish it. You find some places where you might need to take some breaks. You visualize yourself getting there. You visualize what you're gonna do if a freaking uh, roadblock or a shit show comes your way, okay? Then you commit. Okay, this happened to me. I wasn't expecting that. Okay, I'm going to adjust here. Okay, something else is happening to me. It's too much to handle. I need to take a break. I'm going to take that Eddie. Okay, mm -hmm. boom. Eddie, take a breather. Okay, look back. Take another little gander where I want to go. Let's get back into it. So we just kind of looked at as like an analogy to going forward for, for people in life. Like, okay, now you're done the trip. What's your next goal? You want to go back to uh, work? Okay, you're going to go back into the, 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 your work life that you're doing before? Okay, great. You're going to go back to school. You're going to do a new job, whatever it is. Look at it like a rapid. Do your record. Do your plan. Visualize all the road bumps and all the stuff along the way. Look for eddies along. The, once you commit, you're committed. And use those eddies as required. And when you end up at the end, generally speaking, it's going to, it might not be exactly where you, you, where you want it to be, but it's yep. going to be in the same ballpark and it's going to be just fine. Yeah. And it might and be that, better. It might be better. Exactly. Yep. So. Having that uh, focus of, you know, the end goal, but all the stuff in the, in the middle is, is what you want. And so we kind of looked at that, uh, that analogy of running a rapid and we just use it on all the trips. And then we use the trip as an eddy. Okay, mm -hmm. you're in life, you, you're, you, hit a, you hit a speed bump. Okay, you're being forced to release from the military for whatever reason, or you want to change careers, or you want to go back to school and it's not going well, or you're on sick leave. Okay, that's you hitting a rock or you hitting a wave that you were anticipating. Where's your eddy? Yeah. Get the eddy. Boom, take a break. Dump the water. 
make a new plan, adjust a plan. When you're ready to go again, get back out there and continue on. So that our trips, we look at them as an eddy. So we have people, uh, one of the most common uh, feedbacks or emails we get after the trip is thanks for the eddy. I love the eddy. Can't wait to the next eddy. So that eddy is that break. That's our trip. Is that yep. break that we'll kind of rejig, set ourselves up again. And you don't have to come on a word adventure trip to do eddy. You're going on a four or five day hunt. That's your eddy. Mm-hmm. You know, shit's getting hectic. Okay, boom, I'm going to go on my hunting trip. Uh, yeah, I have a goal on my trip, but you know, when you're out there by yourself or with two, three other guys, whatever it is, you're having that introspective moments. You're planning, you, you know, you're, you're just resetting yourself. Yep. You, you need those. You can't run. If you ever run a rapid, it's kind of like controlled chaos, right? You're kind of, you're kind of like a train out of control, semi in control. Yep. If you run that track long enough, it's going to be a crazy catastrophe. So life is that out of control train, out of control horse, whatever it is. Every once in a while, you need to rein it in, take that break, yep. take a breather, get back into it. Because if you don't take those steps, those breaks along the way, like I said, it's going to be a catastrophe at the end. So that's, kinda, that's a lesson from the from the river. You're absolutely correct, and it is such <clears throat> a great analogy for every for life for your career for the military as a whole for uh, you, you know you name it. You have to be able to stop and go, okay, what next? Right. Yeah. And, and I don't know how many times I heard this one was uh, no plan survives first contact. Right. Exactly. <laughs> you, can, you can, you can plan things to a uh, detail. And this actually brings me back to one of the things you said earlier was um, I was going to bring it up and then I forgot about it, but the um, it is better to have a good plan now than a perfect plan two weeks from now yeah right like you can plan things to a detail but the moment you actually start (laughs) you don't know what's going to happen shit happens right and in terms of the river in terms of uh even jujitsu uh you talking about hunting i went this last fall i went on my annual hunting trip and i get there my first day and i'm like this is freaking gorgeous it's awesome it's minus 27 the first night it's like super cold in my tent, wake up the next morning, I have breakfast, climb up to the side of this hill, and I sit down and I'm watching this landscape that is completely white, completely barren, there's no one else around, and I'm having a blast. Great day. Uh, later in the afternoon, I'm looking around and I see this group of elk. Maybe what I think is a couple kilometers away. It was not a couple kilometers. <laughs> I, went, I went down a valley, came up a hill, and I was like, how are they still a couple kilometers away? And then I went down a valley, came up another hill. I'm like, there's still a couple kilometers. It ended up being like a 6K trek up and down these valleys to finally, till I got to a point where I'm like, oh, there they are. They're about a kilometer away. Don't really want to take a shot from here. So, and then I used the same tool as you talked about. I had to visualize, okay, I can go straight down this valley and I can come straight up the hill at them. Yeah. With the wind at my back, that's probably not a good plan. I can go down the valley or down the hill, across the valley, up the other side of the hill, swing around, which is like another four or five K trek, and then come back down at them from the other side. Or I can scoot around this little corner in the trees, which might be a little bit noisier, but it's maybe three or 400 meters. And then I can get close enough that I can look better. And I did this little uh, shimmy around the corner and I got there. And I had misjudged how far I had walked. And I came up over this ridge and there I was about 15 feet from this group of elk. <laughs> Just, oh, yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, shit. And I like super slow 
trying to get back down over the ridge. And then I see this little bit of movement in my corner of my eye and it's a mule deer that was like staring at me. And I was like, oh, please don't move. And he just like, poof, off he went. Elk went with him. And I'm like, ah, fuck. And that was like a good two and a half hours worth of like stalking and trying to get the timing. And it was a long trip. So I was like, you know what? It's almost dark. I'm done. And on my way back to my campsite, I tweak my back by stepping in a gopher hole. <laughs> and I mean, tweaked hard. Like I, it hurt so much. And uh, I still had about 700 meters to get to my campsite. <laughs> Plowed through the pain, got to my campsite. I had to make the call. Do I stay here for another minus 20 plus odd night? Or do I go into town? Like strike camp and go into town. I made the right call. And I went into town and when I woke up the next morning, I could barely walk. And I was like, okay, well, <laughs> smart, good call. Yeah. Um, but but had I not... constantly, constantly reassessing, right? Yep. And then uh, it, but that whole situation, I could have been pissed off. I could have been um, annoyed at how completely off my, uh, my plan had gone and how this five day trip that I'm supposed to be on is now one and I didn't actually get any, uh, didn't get any meat, no nothing. What was me? Or I can look at it and go, okay, well, that's a solid lesson. Be more uh, attentive when you're walking back to your camp, blah, 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 blah. But it also allowed me to spend that time with my uncle, whose land that I was uh, hunting on. And I got to hang out with him and I got to shoot the shit and he had actually injured his ankle and I was able to share some CBD gummies with him so that he was, you know, calmed himself down and he was able to relax and actually first time he had had a really good sleep in a while, but the, you know, it ties into everything that we're talking about is that you have to reassess. You have to take those moments to uh, take the eddy, as you said, and sit in it. But you can also realize that in that eddy, you might actually see a better route through that you didn't see from the far bank. And yep. then you go, Oh shit, that looks a lot easier. Okay. I'm going to dive through that way. And then shit can happen or it can go well, but it's a yeah because you're not taking those breaks everything's coming at you a mile a minute and you have like split seconds to make those decisions right mm -hmm. so you know those tack pauses allow you to uh you know assess better and make a better decision yep absolutely so we're running just a little bit over an hour right now and uh i was just wondering if you have any last points any final thoughts you wanted to throw out to the world yeah uh, no it's been pretty good man a uh, great talk um I just maybe I'll highlight a couple of books I've read that might help. Absolutely. I mentioned Tribe yep. by Sebastian Younger is a great read. Another one that uh, really helped me kind of develop war adventures and, you know, kind of a mental game is uh, Lost Connections by Johan Hari. It's a pretty right. good one. Kind of like um, he comes at the angle of, you know, this guy, he had been a depressed guy for a number of years on SSRIs. And he was like, what if uh, SSRIs aren't the answer? Maybe people aren't, you know, everyone's heard the uh, chemical imbalance uh, in, in the brain for a depression situation. He's like, well, maybe that, what if that's not true? What could be the other causes for an epidemic of depression? Or what could be the other causes for um, people getting depressed or, or, or the rest of it? And he kind of looks at... Uh, a bunch of different things a lot of the stuff we talked about you know socializing uh meaningful work uh learning new skills stuff like that and he kind of goes through them all and kind of researches each one in depth another one would be together 
uh, by uh, Vivek Murthy. That's another good one. He talks a lot about kind of the same things. Just he was uh, the Surgeon General of the United States. And at the end, he was like the biggest problem, biggest health issue wasn't like cardiovascular stuff or cancer. It was like depression and loneliness was what he thought he, he thought was the biggest health problem in the United States at the time. And he kind of dives into um, that. He's just like, what, what is going on? Why is everyone so lonely and depressed? And what can we do about it? So that's a good book there. Another one, again, we talked about learning new skills and, you know, just kind of progressing always as humans is Range by David Epstein. That's another good one. He kind of like takes, you know, the 10,000 10, hour thing. You know, you got 10,000 hours or 10,000 iterations in something um, to be a master at it, mm -hmm. uh, like the Tiger Woods. And he kind of compares that to maybe the polymath, maybe the jack of all trades is a better example of how to be really good at something. And he kind of compares it both. And he comes out with, his, you know, his conclusion was the more skills you are, you know, and the more skills you're, you're better at, the better you're going to be in the long run. So just kind of having a good solid range of things you can do and things you can speak to kind of, um, you know, grows, grows you very well. And uh, I, I try to read a lot of philosophy. Uh, it's, it's hard to kind of get good takeaways from it. Like, like we talked about, you know, you wanted that perfect book at the perfect time. Mm -hmm. um, there's a book called The Daily Stoic by Ryan Holiday. So he kind of just has a bunch of quotes from uh, uh, philosophers back in the day um, and just kind of breaks it down in, into common terms. So I like to read a couple of those pages a day and it's just kind of easy to, to digest. And then uh, I think that's it, man. Uh, I use uh, for meditation, I use Sam Harris's meditation app, Waking Up. That's pretty good. It's got a lot of, it has a meditation trainer in there, but it also has like, little snippets of like, five and 10 minute lessons on, you know, some of the other stuff we've been talking about. He breaks down uh, these like mental training techniques or emotional techniques, or just like, you know, being introspective and thinking about things. Uh, I really kind of took my mental game to another level will be that Sam Harris app. Yeah. And uh, it's pretty, that's pretty good, man. You, I think that's it. You got any other questions before we wrap it up? Uh, no, I think we're good. I was just going to say that uh, stoicism as a whole is, uh, has been really helpful for myself and, learning more about it over the years has opened my eyes to a lot of the issues that I had when I was in the military. And because I, I, I got bitter real fast after tour. <laughs> Again, like I wish I had known back then, but I don't know if I would have been uh, as open to them as I am now. Uh, so yeah, if anybody... Some things definitely come with age, man. Like it's oh yeah. To... Got to get a little gray in your beard before you can actually understand yeah. them really um so if anybody wants to follow you or warrior adventure canada or anything like that how do they find you social media wise yeah follow warrior adventures canada mostly on facebook and instagram and then our website is warrioradventures.ca wicked uh i'm looking forward to the trip i sent my application in so hopefully i get accepted yeah, yeah man <laughs> coming from big eddie yeah i think it'd be fantastic and i'm really looking forward to seeing your you guys grow because so many people are going to get really great uh, eddies from you yeah. guys. Yeah. That'd be awesome. That concludes this episode of The Toolbox. I really appreciate y'all listening. It has been my pleasure bringing you this awesome guest. If you like what you heard, please like, share, subscribe, and do all that awesome stuff. And I hope you can use some of the information that was offered. To all those putting on the line every day, first responders, military, veterans, civil servants, you guys are keeping us safe and keeping the country running. I really appreciate y'all. Hope to see you next time. Till then, stay open, stay humble, and stay focused. Shalom.